and welcome to the fifth episode of the podcast Here to Help. My name is Jessica Glynn and I am your host. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, this podcast aims to help those that are struggling and going through the grief of losing someone. I unfortunately have lost someone tragically and way too soon to suicide. My brother, Christopher John Long, took his own life at just the age of 27. And I feel like this podcast will help people to connect to it, to connect to me and my family and what we've gone through. And I just feel like regardless of whether it's the same loss or something similar, It's just something that you can feel connected to and be able to feel like you're not alone. So in the weeks past and the previous episodes, I have discussed the journal entries or letters that I have written to my brother over the year's time after his passing. And every week I share an entry or two, and then I go over what that entry means to me now and how it affected me in further detail um, that I did not write in the entry. And I would like to go through two entries today. One is going to be from November 27th and the other is going to be from November 29th. And then I will, as I said, get into further detail of that. So I will go ahead and I will read the entries now and I will then move on to the discussion and then concluding it for you. So November 27th, mom got her tattoo for you today. She got a turtle, and underneath the turtle, it says, Mom, I like turtles. It's in your handwriting, just like we did for the tattoo that I got. You always said that to her for no reason, because you were very stupid. (laughs) Um, We saw a penny sitting underneath the table, and we knew that it was you, one of those pennies from heaven. Also saw a grief counselor today with mom, dad, and Doug. Dad opened up so much, I was so proud of him. He feels like he failed you. I think we all do. We wish we knew the pain that you felt, and I wish we could have taken it away for you. I'm finding that any time I am upset, Jen will text or call saying that she felt like you wanted her to make sure I was okay. I think it's pretty nuts. November 29th. Jen felt like she could finally come to mom and dad's. I guess to see your stuff and really try to connect with you. She went into your room and she instantly felt nauseous, like she could pass out. She sat down on a step stool that was in there. We were talking for a bit. 
mom brought up the notebook, the one that you had written in at some point, the one where you said that you, quote, left because of the lies, mainly the attacks on me, period. I was a big part for the kids, especially B. Rice, my boy. You also mentioned how you were living, I couldn't make this out, it was either alive or lie, and then you wrote why for all of you, question mark. The rest was so sloppy that you could barely make it out. Jen wound up going into the basement with me and Doug. She asked me where one of the cabinets came from. I went up to ask Dad if it was Grandma Long's, and he said yes. He went downstairs. I went in front to smoke a cigarette and called Joe. A few minutes later, Jen came back upstairs with Doug and Dad. She was holding a piece of paper. The piece of paper said how everyone has a role model and someone they look up to in life. You wrote, in quotes, my sister is my hero and role model. This brought tears to my eyes because of the text I had found earlier that day where you told Dwight that you had nobody and basically how your family sucked. This hurt so bad because I know you knew that wasn't true. I think this paper came about because you knew how much this text affected me and you wanted to reassure me. Then Jen and Dad started telling me how Grandma Long came through downstairs talking to Dad through Jen. She brought up Thanksgiving, a dog they had, and how she hadn't, I'm sorry, how he hadn't received any pennies yet. Dad said, yeah, I can't understand why she'd bring up the dog. We only had her for a short time. Penny. Then he looks up at me, eyes wide, and yells, Penny. That memory of the dog was his penny. Dad then starts hysterical crying. It was just such a mix of emotions of happiness that the connection was made, but so much sadness as to why that connection had to be made. Because you are gone. mom's first tattoo, just like mine, was for my brother. She got a tattoo of a turtle, as I mentioned in the letter, because my brother always used to say, I like turtles, randomly. (laughs) Um, Many people that were close to my brother will know exactly how he said this and how it was random. So my brother would always say that to my mom, and ironically, when we had the ceremony for my brother's funeral at the church St. Saint, um, Sylvester's in Medford, one of the uh, men that work at the church, he was making up like, I don't know if it's a brochure or whatever it is, um, for the the mass 
and he gave it to my mom and he said that when he was looking up like images to put on it the first thing that came up was this turtle so my mom and I were obviously floored my family was like we were like oh my gosh like what are the odds of that so my mom got that turtle tattooed on her ankle and as I said it was her first ever tattoo um, my brother got I like turtles from anyone that doesn't know the there's a video of a little boy that was being interviewed on Halloween there was like a Halloween parade and he was a zombie so if you google like zombie turtle kid it'll come up <laughs> and she was like you know oh your costume looks great like how you know how are you feeling and he said I like turtles so my brother thought that was hysterical <laughs> so <clears throat> um, then seeing the grief counselor I feel was so necessary um, a few times we had gone like all together in a group and then then it was just like myself and my mother and my father and then I believe my dad went a few times alone and I just feel like I feel like I have to say that that was so necessary especially for no offense guys my parents generation I feel like that generation feels as if you know emotions and feelings are meant to be kept inside and I'm obviously not a doctor or therapist, but um, I do feel like doing that is worse for you internally than speaking about it with a trained professional and allowing to get out your feelings and your emotions that, you know, you don't normally want to say to people it's a catch-22 because it could go either way you know you may not be really comfortable with this grief counselor but as I said they're trained professionals and if you can get yourself to a place of comfortability with them it is really great to be able to speak about a loss that you're going through and as I said in the letter that I wrote to my brother you know I was really proud I was proud of my mom and dad but I was proud of my dad because he doesn't normally express how he's feeling you know deep raw emotions and it was it was relieving for me to see that he was expressing that and releasing it so I just feel like that was important to say the notebook that I spoke of was found by my brother's friend Jack I had given Jack and Dwight <clears throat> Dwight's mentioned in the entry they're both friends of my brother's they're his very close friends he has others which I will mention as time goes on but um, so I had given the book to Dwight and Jack because I found it in his room and it was pictures of my brother and his friends from high school so it's like he kind of made my brother made like a, a photo album out of like a composition notebook and he taped pictures in the notebook 
and then he wrote next to them like what was going on and I believe that this was made for when his friend Dwight was going away to the Navy I think he made it like as a memory kind of thing and I don't know why it never got to him but it was in my brother's nightstand draw so I found it and I felt that it was necessary to give to Dwight and Jack, you know, whatever they wanted to do with it, but I gave it to them. So when they had gone through the notebook, I had gotten a call from Jack one night or a text, I don't remember, um, because it was one of the first few days. He had said, like, Jess, did you look in the back of this notebook? And I said, no. And he said he was coming over. So I knew that it couldn't be good. So a few of my brother's friends came over to my house and in the back of the book, it, it did say, you know, um, that like, it was something like, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, but this isn't funny. Um, it wasn't really anything that made much sense. Um, and when I read the part about, you know, I left because of the lies, mainly the attacks on me, and then the part about, you know, I was a big part of the kids' lives, and, you know, especially B. Rice, which is what he used to call Bryce, my boy, you know, that was like a knife to the heart. Um, and I... I'm assuming that I don't think I don't think that the notebook was written that night. There's parts of the entry that are in that, you know, the back of the book that are written in different colored pens and like the font is the font. The handwriting is different um, in different parts of it. I think that my brother in one of his nights when he would get super drunk by himself, he must have found this notebook and maybe it stir up some emotions for him. And, you know, I mean, maybe it was that night. I'll never know. But um, I don't think it was written all in one time. Um, but I think it was definitely when he was not in the right mind. You can literally see it like as a progression um, it's two pages, you know, both on, like you open the book and you can see on the left and the right. And it just, like I said, it's a progression of, of the handwriting just getting crazier and crazier. And you can't really understand it. Like I said, different colored pens, one's blue, one's black. It's, um, so I don't really know when it was from, I don't think it was like a note that he left that night. Could that be a defense mechanism and me just not wanting to believe that it was? Yeah, but I think that regardless of whether it was that night or weeks prior, that notebook showed the pain and the turmoil that he was feeling within himself and in his own mind. And it tears me apart, honestly, to even reliving what was said in that notebook and this isn't even what I disclosed is not all that it said I mean there's not much more but 
it gives you the gist of what was in there and to think that he was sitting in his room and writing this stuff in a notebook it just like I said it literally just tears me apart it's very sad and then the so to to get further into the text that I saw so I had gotten I had my brother's phone and just like with the notebook you're kind of you know trying to decipher like was this it was this what he was doing and you know how he was feeling and was this what he was doing that night you know you're going through their their belongings and their phones to try and find an answer you're trying to find like I don't even know if it's something specific but you're just looking to find something that will give you some kind of clarity or closure and I was going through my brother's phone again not in any you know malice it was just meant in a way of really trying to heal myself or find something or you know I don't know find pictures that I could save that he you know I didn't have and in my looking through his phone I had got I had gotten to his text messages and I just started going through text messages about um not about with people that you know he was close with and seeing if he had said anything to anyone and he wrote a text to his friend Dwight that he had nobody and basically yeah that his family sucked and again it was later at night and he was alone so like was he drinking probably but to read that and be going through the guilt that I was going through already I wanted to be like fuck you like really and as I said in the letter like I know I know deep down that he didn't believe that but the fact that he even said it in a text message like to somebody else that knows the relationship that him and I had, um, it really hurt me. I felt like even more betrayed than I already did with him leaving, I felt even more betrayed. Like, you know, I was there for you. I spent nights crying about him and, you know, the troubles that he was going through with drinking and how I wanted to help him and and then that's how he was you know portraying our relationship and our family I took it very personally I was really upset so you know we were so close and I saw us as this unit like you know we always went to each other for everything and you know when he was having a shitty day he'd text me and sometimes I'd be in a shitty mood and we'd kind of be like all right yeah we're both in a shitty mood (laughs) and we'd get mad at each other you know whatever but we always at the end of the day I was always there for him and he was always there for me and I just wish he kind of you know played up on that a little bit more and really leaned on me more. I, f- I guess he felt like he couldn't, but that's what hurts the most, is that he felt like he couldn't. Um, and then with Jen and going to my house, my parents' house, and then 
speaking to my dad who did not believe in any kind of like um you know a psychic medium or anything like that he didn't believe in any of that so I think that was why he was reluctant to even go downstairs when she was down in the basement but I'm glad he did because it was meant for him to do that and and then when they came up with that letter I started crying not only because of what it said and how it was saying you know my sister is my hero I I totally felt like because that text really stung and it, it stuck with me all day like I was so hurt it, it was as if he told me fuck you I hate you to my face like that's how I felt and it really hurt so to to see that that letter or um, assignment that he did in his notebook it was an assignment I felt like I was seeing that for a reason it was I think it was his way of you know of telling me like stop letting it bother you like you know maybe I was in a shitty place and you know it's not really how I felt kind of thing that's just how I took it and again could just be me trying to have that defense mechanism of feeling better about it but the the odds and the coincidence of of having that found randomly in the basement um on that particular night was odd and then when they came up as I said in the letter you know they were discussing to me about what had transpired and how you know they think that my grandma Wong came through and she's mentioning this dog and Jen's describing what the dog looked like you know the color of her fur and how big she was and um and I'm laughing as they're telling me this and I'm looking at my dad and I'm like I didn't even know you had a dog like I didn't know he had a dog like that so and then when he the realization that the dog's name was Penny I'll never forget my dad's face, and I know if he's listening to this right now, he's probably going to cry, and I'm sorry, Dad, but I will never forget his face when we were talking, and I remember he's, like, looking down, like, yeah, this is the dog, and I just don't understand why this dog's being brought up, and then he picks up his head, and his eyes bulge out, and he goes, Penny, that's the dog's name, Penny, and I went, oh, my God. And then we all went into hysterics crying because we were like, oh my God, like what are the odds that Jen says, my grandma Long saying like, oh, you haven't gotten a penny yet. And then immediately goes into this dog that they had. I just, I just, again, I'm not trying to convince anybody. This is just part of my story. So if you don't agree with it, that's totally 100% fine. Like I said, not trying to convince you, but this is just my experience and it's just how things unraveled. And I truly feel like those were legitimate signs from my brother to myself and my family. And I know that my dad will never forget that night. And it turned him from a non-believer into a believer of people being able to connect with others on the other side. So it was a pretty cool experience.
So to conclude tonight's episode, I just want to say that I truly appreciate those that have reached out to me and let me know how this podcast has been either helping them or, you know, they think that I'm going to help others. And I've gotten a few responses from people that I don't even personally know that my brother did that let me know that the podcast, you know, it brought up emotions for them, but not all sad, you know, it, it made them feel connected to him. And they're so glad that I'm sharing my story. So I'm truly thankful and appreciative of that. And I look forward to hopefully having others feel the same way that it resonated with them. And I'm just going to leave off with this quote. So the quote is, anxiety happens when you think you have to figure out everything all at once. Breathe. You are strong. You got this. Take it day by day. And I feel like this quote was really appropriate for tonight's podcast because I feel like I went through a roller coaster and slew of emotions and even reading it brought back, you know, the floodgates of those emotions and, you know, feeling like, you know, I have to still figure out, you know, exactly what was going on or, you know, what blame did I have in it? And I just feel like all that anxiety comes with any kind of grief and, you know, you just have to take it day by day. That last line could not be any more perfect and true that you have to take it day by day. I know it sounds cliche and I know it sounds like, yeah, 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 okay, easier said than done. I totally get that, but especially being out now as far as I am since my brother passed away, I've been taking that advice in all aspects of my life. So anything that I've been struggling with, I'm trying to just breathe and realize that I can't control everything unfortunately. And I literally just have to take it either a moment at a time or that day at a time. And when I make that spectrum a little bit smaller and just concentrate on those more minute minutes or days, it makes it a lot more easier to see that you know, it's easier to handle. It's more, um, it's more of an easier approach than trying to figure out, you know, how, how am I going to live the rest of my life without my brother? That's something I've struggled with, even still do sometimes to this day. You know, he, he brightened up my life so much and I miss his humor. I miss his laugh. I miss his smile. I miss his stupid jokes you know, how am I going to live without that for the rest of my life? And when I get into those ruts and I start thinking about that, I 
just tell myself that I have to breathe and I can't look at it that way. I have to figure it out one day at a time. So I hope that this podcast was able to make you feel connected to it and it resonated with you. And I hope that you do continue to listen and allow others to know about the podcast so maybe it could help someone else. And again, I appreciate all of the positive input that I've been getting regarding the podcast. Have a great night.